0: Yeah, I'm in this one, this is much better. Good morning, it's a, it's a great Sunday morning here in Mobile, Alabama. Thank you for tuning in online. As you can see, we had a great night last night. My wife was in the room screaming, hollering when uh, Bryce Young scored that, I don't know how he got out of that, but he threw that touchdown. She thought it was over with and thought they had us, and I did too, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was over with as well, but the Tigers prevailed. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Brian Kelly. <laughs> but uh, anyway, enough of that. That's one. But man, I'm excited to be here this morning. Uh, we have a new sermon series that we're starting today called Foundations. Y'all say Foundations. foundations. And all the notes on this, or on the app, you can follow. Download the app to follow that and get all those. But when I was thinking about the subject, the foundations. I was thinking about there are certain um, foundations of our Christian faith that we should always go back to. And even if you've been saved for a week or if you've been saved for 20 years, there are certain foundations in our Christian faith that we can't walk away from. And I feel like all these topics that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks are very, very vital and very, very important to our Christian faith to make sure that we stay healthy, that we stay uh, our hearts are, are pure before the Lord because it's so easy to get sidetracked and off track on what God has for us in pursuing the Lord because there's so many things to distract us. But this first thing that we're going to talk about I feel like is one of the big foundation pillars that we, you can never talk about this enough because there's always an opportunity for this to come up. So today we're talking about forgiveness. The first foundation we're talking about forgiveness, some of y'all are going to have to forgive me this morning for wearing my LSU stuff. So I think the Lord has a sense of humor, what he was doing. But we're talking about forgiveness this morning. And, man, forgiveness can be something that is very hard for people to deal with. Because every opportunity you wake up in the morning, it is an opportunity for you to be hurt or to be offended. And for you to have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Every single day you wake up, there's a never-ending supply of opportunities for you to get hurt. But that's why it's so important that we always constantly walk in what? Forgiveness. That's why it's such a big foundational piece to our Christian faith, because we constantly have to walk in forgiveness because there's so many opportunities for us to get hurt. And I wanna start off by, let's just open up a prayer, let's do that. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord God, that this word fall on good ground. Give me the, the boldness and the clarity to preach what exactly you have to say, and I thank you that you open up our hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. And when it comes to forgiveness, I always like to go back to what did Jesus say about forgiveness? Because that's always the blueprint. What did Jesus say about forgiveness? And when the disciples came to Jesus after he uh, performed all the miracles, they came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And everybody knows the prayer that he told them, it's the Lord's Prayer. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. And then I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer, and I was reading through it. The Lord's Prayer really is a prayer about forgiveness. That's what it's really about. It is a prayer about forgiveness. And I thought it was ironic that Jesus said that when they told him, teach me how to pray, he said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to pray. The way you need to pray is you need to pray for forgiveness. Not just for you, but for others that transgress again." And we're going to read it in a second. But then I really started to think a little bit more. It's important that you know what you're praying and what you're reading in scripture. Because sometimes you could be saying stuff and doing stuff and not even know what it really means. I'll give you an example. Every sports team that I played for, before every game, we prayed the Lord's Prayer. Before every game. And it was just, I didn't think anything of it. But then I started to think about it. So before every game, we prayed a prayer of forgiveness. And we thought it was like, yeah, this, it's the, this is a Christian thing to do. It's the right thing to do to honor the Lord in prayer. But every game we were praying for forgiveness. We could have been praying, Lord, protect us from injuries. Let us play our best. Let, let us work together as a team. But no, we said, Lord, help us forgive those that sin against us. And when you think about it in that context, it's like, why in the world would you pray that? But just because you, it's just what we did. Since I was little, till I went to college, it's like that's all we, we prayed the Lord's Prayer. But the, we were praying a forgiveness prayer before a game. Which, and you think about it, that doesn't really make sense because we really didn't understand what we were saying. We really didn't un- understand the context of what Jesus was saying in this prayer. So let's pick up in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, verse 15, because I believe today that the Lord is going to help us just get a deeper understanding. Of forgiveness, And I'm reading out of the uh, New King James Version, uh, Matthew 6, verse 12. It says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not let us lead into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And we always like to say, for yours is the kingdom, power and the glory forever. Amen. And we stop right there. But right after he says amen, he goes right back into, but if you do not forgive men your, their trespasses, passes, neither will your father forgive your trespasses either. Meaning that if you don't forgive others of their sins, then I won't forgive you of yours. And when we pray that prayer, what we're really praying is this. This is what we're really saying when we pray that prayer. Lord, forgive me in the way that I forgive others. That's what you're really praying. So if you're saying, Lord, forgive me in the way I forgive others, how are you really forgiving others? Are you really forgiving others? Because if you're not, then guess what? God says, okay, then I won't forgive you. But we just say that prayer, and it's like, oh, it's the right thing to do. Yes, but understand what you're saying If you're not forgiving others and you pray that prayer, God is going to say, I'm going to forgive you in the same way that you forgive others. So you can look back throughout your life and see, how well do you forgive others? And if you've been doing a poor job of forgiving others, guess what? God says, well, it's going to be hard for me to forgive you because you said, forgive me as I forgive those who trespass against me. So I'm going to, what you're saying is, Lord, forgive me how I forgive others. That's why forgiveness is a foundational pillar, because there's always an opportunity for you to get hurt. But we constantly have to say, I choose to walk in forgiveness. I constant it's a conscious decision. Because like I said, you can walk out this door today, even before you walk out this door today, and there's something that's gonna make you mad. But you have to say, I'm gonna walk in forgiveness. I had a teammate in college. This was one of the most talented, guys that I've ever played with in my life, and I don't even know how, but somehow he got drafted five times. Five times. He got drafted in high school. He decided he didn't want to go. So he went to a junior college. He got drafted his freshman year at the junior college, said he didn't want to go. He got drafted every single the second year of junior college, he got drafted again. Then he went to Southern University, where I met him. He got drafted his junior year, said he didn't want to go. Then he got drafted his, uh, his uh, senior year, and then he, I had no more eligibility, so he had to go. So this was one of the most talented guys that I ever met in my life, but he had one issue. His father and his grandfather were extremely hard on him. Everything that he did was never good enough. And I remember very specifically, we were sitting in our hotel room, and Marcus had a game, he was like four for five, with like two doubles, a home run, and a base hit or something like that, and the one out that he got, he struck out, and he was so excited to tell his dad and his grandparent, his dad and his grandfather, uh, what he did in the game. And I, we're we, literally, I'm sitting on the, we're sitting on the floor in the hotel room. I'm sitting this close to him. He's right here. I'm right here. We're just sitting there, and he was so excited to tell him. And I can hear through the phone. He was telling him how great his game is. He said, well, how did you get out? His dad said, How did you get out? He said, I struck out, what's wrong with you? How you gonna strike out? And I'm like, this boy just had four, he pretty much won the game for us, but all he could focus on was that he struck out. And then he hung up the phone and he just started crying. He said, no matter what I do is never good enough for them. He's like, it doesn't matter how hard I try, nothing is never good enough for them. And what it caused him to do was to spiral out of control. Because the bitterness and the hurt that he had for his father and his grandfather, he couldn't forgive them. He just didn't understand why they treated me like this. And that bitterness, and it began to fester. Why am I telling this story? Because this is what it says in the Lord's Prayer that we just read. It says this, and forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Meaning that, so forgive us as we forgive others. But then it goes on to say this, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why is that so important? It's because of this. If you don't forgive others, it will lead you into temptation. If you don't forgive others, it will lead you into temptation. Why? Because there's gonna be something in your heart that's longing to say that, I need to mask up this hurt that I have, so I need to do something else, and it opens up the door for the enemy to come in to tempt you with something. Immediately, it opens the door for the enemy to tempt you with something. In his case, it was marijuana. He started smoking. And he got addicted to it. And after he got drafted, a year later, he got released because of drugs. And we were playing in Houston, his hometown, and he came to one of our games. And I saw him walk, I saw a guy walk up to the fence, I'm like, this can't be Marcus. I was like, Marcus was a big guy. He was about 6'4", about 230, about 220. He, so he was a big guy. He looked like he weighed about 180 pounds. He He just looked bad. He looked, t- And nobody on the team could believe that that was him. But his life has spiraled just that out of control. And about two years later, they end up finding him dead on the beach naked. Because what happens is, if he leads you in temptation, then the next step is this: is that he leads you into bondage. Temptation leads to bondage. And all of it starts as a result of what? Unforgiveness. That's why we got to walk in forgiveness because it's a thing that spirals out of control that you, I don't even know how I got it. I don't, in the span of a few years, he ruined, he, he destroyed his life. But all because He was trying to prove something to his father and grandfather. He could never forgive them. And then he got tempted by something. He got addicted to it. Now it's a bondage, and it cost him his life. That's why it's so important that we have to walk in forgiveness, because it is a big, big deal. Y'all catch what I'm saying? So today I want to give you three ways to remove unforgiveness. Three ways to to remove unforgiveness. The first way that we remove unforgiveness is this. Forgiveness is about conversations. Forgiveness is about conversations. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17, and I'm going to explain when we read this verse what I mean by that. You say, how is forgiveness about conversations? Well, we're going to read about it right here in Matthew 18, 15. It says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everyone can say may we so so everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, Treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. So we see right here that it's all about a conversation. Sometimes we feel like if someone um, hurt us or if someone did something against us, we can't talk to that person about them. We try to ignore them. It's like, you know what? They hurt me, so I'm not going to talk. I don't want to have anything else to do with them again. And then you just pretty much just dismiss them and you never have a conversation about it. But it says, don't do it in the open where you make this big drama. And this big, Some people live for the drama. They live for the big scene. I'm going to wait till all the family members get together. Then I'm going to speak my mind. When we have that, oh, Thanksgiving coming up. This is my opportunity. Oh, Sister Betty, I've been waiting to get on. a uh, uh, Cousin Betty, she's been getting on my nerves, and I'm going to let her have it when Thanksgiving comes. And, and it's like, no, no, that's not how you deal with it. That's not how you deal with it. But some people live for drama that way. It says go privately. And confront them, hey, you said this. I just want to let you know, when you said this, that really hurt me. So I'm appealing to you one-on-one privately so we can resolve this issue. And it says that if that person agrees that they were wrong, it says that you have won that person back. But you do it, and it's not to argue. It's not to to build drama. it's It's just simply to have a conversation about what happened. But most of the time, we don't want to do that because of pride. I can't let them know that they hurt me. I can't let them know that they got to me like that. Mm -mm. So what you do is you build up a wall and you push them away. And you never have a conversation about what really is going on in your heart. And then the crazy part is, that person has no idea what's going on, but the whole time you holding on to it and it's tearing you up and they living their life free. Look at them over there all happy and smiling and stuff. Like they don't know what they said to me. And you get all upset. And they have no clue what's going on, but you do, but you won't humble yourself to go to them and say, let me just talk privately and have a conversation with you about what's going on. And this conversation, again, is not an attack. It's not to argue. It's just an appeal in the spirit of forgiveness. I'm coming in the spirit of forgiveness because I want to reconcile this relationship and this issue that we have. If more people took that approach, especially Christians, we would have so much more healthy relationships, especially in marriages. Because how many marriages walk around with people mad at each other? You know you're mad, but you won't say why you're mad. What's going on, dear? Nothing, I'm fine. Well, something seems like it's bothering you. I'm okay. Well, obviously, something is wrong with you. What's going on? Just Don't worry about it. You know what you did. You know what you said. But nobody ever wants to say what it is. They just want to, you, like, we're supposed to be mind readers or something. Well, clearly, I'm asking you, there's an issue. Why don't we talk about it? But no, we don't want to have conversations. We want to hold grudges. Because what we want to do is hold it over their head. So if they do something, now see, now I'm going to run down my list of everything that you did. And we want to bring it right back to them. That's not walking in the spirit of forgiveness. That's walking in the spirit of division. But if you want to walk in the spirit of forgiveness, you have to say, you know what, let's have a peaceful conversation, cool, we're not going to raise our voice, we're going to talk calmly about what is going on, because a direct conversation is true love. A direct conversation is true love. The opposite of that is, well, if you really care about a person, you would do everything you can to mend a relationship. That's the definition of true love. That's love. What did God do? God sent his son because he loved us so much. And he had a direct conversation with his son when his son said, Father, if, if, if your will, please take this away. I don't want to do this. He had a conversation with his father. I don't want to do this. I don't. But if it is your will, then I'll do it. And obviously, it was the father's will. And because of that direct conversation, He sacrificed his life on the cross for us. That's love. That is love. It's a direct conversation. We have to have a direct, and I'll prove it to you scripture again. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. It says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So why should we have a conversation or, or not hold hatred in our heart? Because it says if you hold it, unforgiveness and stuff in your heart, it says, what it does is that person will cause you to hold sin in your heart. That's what it says. It says you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. Because if you hold that unforgiveness, what you're doing is allowing that person to cause sin to enter your heart. And you think it's the other person that's wrong, but guess what? Now you're in a place where you're wrong as well. Because you allowed that person to allow sin in your heart by not forgiving them. We think that ignoring things will make it go away. If we don't reason with them about it, we will incur the sin because of them. Our hearts will become hard, bitter, and filled with resentment. When you just, some people say this, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to... Ignoring it doesn't mean that it's not going to go away. But we try to... I'm going to just ignore it. I'm going to just brush it off. But the whole time somebody mentioned that person's name or you see their face, it comes all stirring it that heart again. And all those emotions start to flutter. Why? Because you're trying to forget about it. You can't forget about it. You need to have a direct conversation in love. This is a few years ago. And talking about forgiveness, this is a few years ago. There was a... I think it was in Dallas. It was an ex-police officer, her name was Amber Geyer, and she walked into the apartment, which she thought was hers, but it was the apartment of someone else's. And the guy was sitting on his couch, eating a bowl of ice cream, and she opened the door and came in and saw him in there, and she shot and killed him. Y'all remember that? That was in, I think that was a few years ago in Dallas. And eventually they they charged her, but on the witness stand, the, uh, the guy's brother, I wrote his name down because I didn't want to forget. His, bro- his name was, um, the guy that was killed, his name was Botham, but his brother, Branded Jean, he took the witness stand. And in the witness stand, the, the, they asked him, what do you want to say? He says, "Then I wrote the quote down what he said. He says, he told this to the woman that killed his brother. He said, because of my Christian faith, I love you as a person, and I don't wish anything bad on you. He said, this, he said, and if it is possible, can I please give you a hug? He said, because of my Christian faith, I don't want to wish anything bad on you, and I love you. Can I give you a hug? And the courtroom was stunned. And they looked at the judge, and the judge agreed to the request, and he embraced the lady, and they both wept. And it didn't stop there. The judge was so moved. The judge went down. She hugged the lady and gave the lady a Bible. That what a great display of our Christian faith on a big scene like that, because everybody would imagine he would just go off and tell her how bad she was and how could you kill my brother? He says, no, I forgive you. There are some bad things that happen. To so many people, to some of you, I'm pretty sure we could go down the list. There's some bad things. And you could say, How can a person treat me like this? How can they do this? How do they not deserve my forgiveness? They don't deserve my forgiveness for what they've done. And this man got on the witness stand and said, Let me give you a hug. I want you to know I forgive you. That's the Christian faith. That's a person that understands I need to walk in forgiveness because there are gonna be some things that's gonna happen. That you just got to say, you know what, this is totally wrong, and they don't deserve my forgiveness. But then it goes back to, if you don't forgive others, how can your Father in heaven forgive you? Because think about all the things that we've done against God that he says, you know what, I forgive you. We have to walk in forgiveness. First thing, forgiveness is about conversations. Second thing, forgiveness is about decisions. Forgiveness is about decisions. When it comes to the word forgiveness, the forgiveness is a legal term or it's of a legal nature. Legal things have no feelings or emotions. Legal things have no feelings or emotions. You go before the judge. If you did a crime, they're going to sentence you. There's no feelings or emotions attached to that. Hey, you did this 10 years or you did this 30 days probation, whatever it is. There's no feelings or no uh, emotions attached to the legal system or or to to a legal term. But to forgive means to let go of an obligation. Forgiveness means to literally let go of an obligation. So that means that it's like this. It's like, say that um, I own a mortgage and I'm paying on my mortgage. And then you come and you say, Uh, and you say, you know what, I want to pay that mortgage for you. I'm going to take that obligation away from you. And you pay it in full. And then you pay it in full and then you give me the deed to that house. Guess what, you've taken the obligation away from you. Let go of that obligation of the mortgage that I had, it's now gone. That's the same thing we do with forgiveness. When we come to someone we say, you know what, the obligation that you've done to me, I take that obligation away. The thing that you did to me, I willingly make a decision to say just give me that thing that you did to me that hurt me and I'll take it away from you it's an I owe you don't even worry about it because it's under the blood of Jesus that's what it means is to let go of an obligation so we need to be in the business of letting people go of obligations because we hold those obligations in our heart and we say you know what I got some IOUs inside of my heart that I'm gonna let let them out whenever I need to for all the things that you've done to me. And we got those IOUs ready to use, but not in that way. No, 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 the IOUs is, you don't owe me anything. I'll let you go of that obligation. And the crazy part is, sometimes there's people that don't want to admit that they're wrong. They know they were wrong, They don't want to admit they were wrong, and they still lying about what they did. Now, them, the real people that you need to walk in forgiveness with, because you're like, they don't deserve my forgiveness. They still lying about it, and it's been 15 years. But we got to walk in forgiveness. And those are the people that you're going to have to display the most. You're going to to say, God, ooh, you're going to have to give me the grace for this. They still lying. But you're going to have to say, God, give me the grace to remove that obligation from them because I no longer want to hold that against them or hold that for myself. So how do we do that? The only way we could do this is forgiveness through the cross. The only way you could do that, especially for someone that's lying about something that they know that they was wrong, that they, wanted, they don't want to admit that they were wrong and they're making excuses and they're lying about it. You have to say, you know what, the only way that you're going to be able to do this is to literally nail it to the cross. Yeah. You to have to put it on the cross of Jesus and say, i leave it at the cross and i leave it there and it's done. Yeah. Because that's, that is literally what Jesus did for us. He took all of our sin. And when he was nailed to the cross, it was washed away. Yeah. It was completely gone. So when we walk in forgiveness, we have to say, you know what, I'm going to nail it. I'm going to nail our sins and their sins to the cross, and I'm going to leave it there and not return to it and look at it again. Because Jesus doesn't go back to the cross and say, now let me look at how many sins you had. I think you're on number 1, 25. He don't do that. He don't remember them anymore because it's nailed to the cross. It's covered by his blood. It's washed away. Yeah. It's forgiven. Yeah. It's forgotten for all of eternity. We have to do the same thing for others. Yeah. We have to nail it to the cross and leave it there. And don't go back and look at it again. Say, like, I think y'all got about uh, two more times before you reach 300. Uh, and then once you reach 300, that's too many. I can't, you, you, you didn't cross me 300 times. That, that's, that's the limit. No, no, you nail it to the cross and you leave it there. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 14, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the earth un, uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against you with this legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He nailed our debts to the cross. He can't, How did he cancel them? By nailing it to the cross. We have to put people's sin. Hey, I'm not holding on to this stuff. I'm nailing it to the cross. I'm canceling the debt. And we say, well, we're letting them off the hook. You're not letting them off the hook. What you're doing is you're freeing yourself. You're freeing yourself. It's not dismissing what they did, it's not excusing what they did, it's not okaying what they did. What it's saying is, no, I need freedom for myself. And I'm not going to be held in bondage and allow the enemy to tempt me with other things. So guess what? I choose to just nail it to the cross, and I'm going to nail it, and I'm going to leave it there. And I'm not going to go back and look at it again. I'm going to just leave it there. We leave our sins to the cross, and we leave it there. Because when we do that, Satan, has no, Satan no longer has any power over that relationship. Once you nail it to the cross, now Satan has no access to come in and bring any more division. But as long as there's unforgiveness, guess what he could do? There's a little open door for him to come on in and do whatever he wants to do because you give him legal access because you hadn't forgiven. But when you forgive, he has no legal access. Now the only thing he could do is try to stir up some other stuff to cause you to have what? More unforgiveness. That's the only thing he could do. But as far as those things, once you nail it to the cross, he has no legal access it's gone. He can't do anything about it, and it frustrates him, so he tries to stir. Why do he say he relationships so much? Because he can't be in them. He know he can't be in fellowship. He know we're going to rule and reign with, with, with Jesus in heaven forever. He can never be a part of that, so he's trying to keep as many people away from that as he knows he can. And how you do that? Keep unforgiveness in your heart. Because if you, if you don't forgive others, your father won't forgive you. It's a foundation, forgiveness. How many of y'all heard of Koratin Boom? Kortin Boom? A few people? Okay. Well, she was a Dutch lady during the Holocaust, and her and her family would hide Jews in their homes, obviously away from the Nazi army. and she they made it a safe house and she did amazing, amazing work until one day they finally got caught. So, they went to the, they took them to these concentration camps and eventually her family split up. And she went to this one place called Ravenbrook. Uh, and in there, she got released on a clerical error. But everybody else that she was in there with her family, they got killed. And she escaped because of a clerical error. They let her go free. But years and years later, she's a Christian woman, years and years later. I believe she was in California, and she was at some event. And she was giving a speech about a book that she wrote. And out in the audience, she noticed the man. And she was like, I know I've seen his face before. And then after, the, uh, after she gave her, her speech, the man walked up to her. It was a German man. And he walked up to her, because in her uh, book, she was talking about God's forgiveness. And she says, and he walked up to her and he says, do you think God can forgive anybody for anything? And she said in that moment, she realized that he was one of those Nazi guards that killed her family members. And she said instantly, the emotions, the feelings of everything that she saw in Ravenbrook take place like it hit her at once. And the man said, I have to confess, I was a guard at Ravenbrook where you were but I've repented of my sins and I surrendered my life to Jesus and I'm a believer now. And he stuck out his hand. He said, can you please forgive me? And she said, as he stuck out his hand, as she tried to move it, she said it was like her arm was paralyzed. She said she could not move her hand to shake his hand because of all the pain and trauma that she saw in that place. And she said she wanted to shake his hand, but she couldn't. But then she just prayed, God, you have to give me the grace to do this. And she said, supernaturally, the grace of God helped her. And she extended her hand and shook that man's hand. And they embraced and they cried in that moment. Forgiving someone for the unthinkable. But she made a decision to say, I'm going to forgive. Because forgiveness ultimately is your decision. It's nobody else's decision. I can't make it for you, even God can't make it for you. You have to make the decision for yourself that you say, "I'm going to decide to forgive." Yeah. The decision is yours. Like they used to say, in Charlie's Andrews, if whether you uh, agree to take the assignment or whatever is going to sell, whatever it is, it's, it's up to you. Basically, it's your decision. It's up to you whether you not whether or not you're going to forgive. So forgiveness is about a conversation. Forgiveness is about decisions. And the third thing is this: forgiveness is about memories. Forgiveness is about memories. You're like, well, what is? They got memories. What you talk about memories? There's a. Uh, I don't. I can't remember her name, but this is a. She's a, a scientist, and she studies the brain, and she is phenomenal. I heard she preached at our church years and years ago, and she would always. And she was explaining how. The brain, or your memories, are like a tree. And the more mem, and like when you create memories, it's like branches of a tree that just begin to grow in your brain. And so, forgiving and unforgiving, forg- I'm sorry, forgiving and forgetting are two different things. Because we think if we forget about it, that, that means we for- forgive. That's not the same thing. Forgetting and forgiving are not the same thing. It's also not excusing the wrong that someone has done. You say, well, if I just forget about it, it'll go away. No, there's literally those brain patterns in your mind that have created trees that are engrafted in your brain of memories that you can't get rid of. That's why when someone, you see their face or they hear their name or someone talks about an event, it all comes back to you. Why? Because in your brain, their the, the memories are implanted like trees in your brain and you can't get rid of them. That's why people can't sleep at night sometimes, because of nightmares, because of the trauma that they experience. They have one little thing that, that triggers it, and they're back, they back in that place of trauma, and they can't move, and they shut down. Why? Because their brain has created memories like trees that are just engrafted in their brain. So even then when they try to get free, they can't because the memories in their brain are so it's the, 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 the trauma is ingrained there. So how do you get free from that? You have to create new memories. You have to begin to create new memories. And how do you do that? The only way you could do that is by going to the cross. We talked about nailing the the, uh, the, the sins and the deaths of others to the cross. You have to go back to the cross and say, God, I give you these memories. God, I give you the memories of the pain and the trauma that I've experienced. Because You ever talk to someone that you know they've been through a lot of trauma in their life and then you just try to check on them? How you doing? I don't want to talk about it. And and they they get all up in arms. If you just try to, you just try, I'm just trying to check on you. How you, I don't want to talk about it. Just let's talk about something else. They don't even, why? Because what they're saying is it's so painful I don't even want to relive those memories. But what they're doing is they're keeping themselves in bondage. They're enslaving their own selves to their own thoughts. And the only way to get free from those memories and the pain and the trauma that is to literally bring it to the cross of Jesus and say, Jesus, I give you my thoughts. Take them and give me and rewire new memories in my mind about you. Rewire new memories in my mind about the love that you have for me. Let me read your word to see what you have to say about me and replace it. So if a person that battles, I would just, I'm would i just using this for example, a person that battles uh, rejection issues and they've always felt like they rejected their whole life and memories of rejection, rejection, rejection. You need to get in the word of God and say, what does God say about me? Yeah. Greater his thoughts towards you. Yeah. He knitted you in his, your mother's womb. He knew about you before you were even born. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to, he wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants to, you to prosper. He wants to do all these things. You need to get in the Word and create new memories where the enemy enemies try to, to, to paralyze you with those bad memories. Yeah. What you do about bringing it to the cross and say, God, create new memories in my mind so I can get free from this bondage of enslavement in my own mind. I need freedom In my mind. God's word can build new trees in our minds with love, forgiveness, and healing. You need to get in his word. That's why the word, that's a good foundation as well. The word of God, the trees, you need uh, the word of God to build new trees in your mind for love, forgiveness, and healing. When I think about stories in the Bible, one of the first ones that always comes to mind is Joseph. Because that brother went through some stuff. And when he was confronted at the end of the story with his brothers, his brothers even tried to connive at the end to try to get over on him. But at this point, obviously, Joseph had already forgiven them, but they didn't know that he had forgiven them. And they thought, maybe if we can tell him that our father's last command was for him to, he commanded that you forgive us, still lying. Our father's last words were, before he bre- he commanded you to forgive us. That's, that's what his brothers told Joseph. So they concocted a story, still lying about what they did. and They weren't sorry. They just didn't want him to kill him. Still lying, but they didn't realize Joseph had already forgave them. And then Joseph told them this, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. Because of the... the uh, the things that Joseph went through, he not only saved his family, but he saved the nation. Thousands upon thousands of people were saved because of the wisdom of Joseph, because of the life of Joseph. And Joseph, when he uh, bore sons, he named his first son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all of my hardship in my father's house. What is that? That's creating new memories. Manasseh, God has made me to forget all my hardship and, all at, and my father's house. What is that? The only way you get that is by forgiveness. Yeah. When he chose to forgive and God gave him a son, that's what he named his son. God has made me to forget all of my hardship and my father's house. Think about the trauma and the pain that that man went through. I think we've all been through some terrible things, but I don't think our family ever sold us into slavery. Let's not kill them. Let's just sell them to slavery. Because that's what they said. Let's just kill them and throw them into this, this cistern. No, 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 no. Let's don't do that. Let's just sell them to slavery. That's better. I don't think we've been in anything that traumatic. But we have been through some traumatic things. But the point is, you have to create new memories. And he went to God and said, God has made me forget all of my hardship. And then his second son, he named him, named him Ephraim. For he said, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And that's all in Genesis 41, verse 51 through 52. And this is the cool thing about Ephraim Ephraim means double or doubly fruitful. It means doubly fruitful. So, what does that mean for us? That when we forgive all the hardships, all the pain, all the emotions, When we choose to forgive and we let go of all those hardships, God says, I want you to be doubly fruitful. I want you to be doubly blessed. God's plan is to make you twice as powerful, twice as fruitful, twice as blessed after you learn the principles to overcome bitterness and resentment. Because when Joseph learned those principles and he got over that, he was doubly blessed. That's what God has for you. You have to look at it. God has great things in store for you but we gotta do it by walking in forgiveness. A lot of times we don't have what we want from God all because we choose not to forgive. Because unforgiveness has a way to keep you bound and in your own little cocoon where you only think about me. I was wrong. Nobody cares about me. Nobody thinks about me. I only have to look out for myself. I wish somebody would take up for me, and it's all about me, and it's introspective, because you played the victim, and bitterness and resentment have taken in, and you can't think about anything else. Even if you wanted to, you can. Somebody starts talking about somebody, how can we help somebody else? But what about me? When you going to help me? Oh, I heard such and such got a new job. I wish I could get a new job. I don't like my job. And it's all you always have a way to bring it back to you. Why? Because you're battling with some type of unforgiveness in your heart. You know, sometimes sickness is a result of unforgiveness. And I'm not saying that the reason you're sick is because you, unf- you have unforgiveness. That's not what I'm saying. So don't say Pastor say, I'm sick because I got unforgiveness. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. But in some cases, there are pro- situations where we bring on health issues ourselves because of unforgiveness. If there is high stress, high anxiety, depression and all those things, you need to go back and ask yourself, is there any unforgiveness in my heart that's causing me to have these health issues that I'm feeling? And I'm pretty sure in some cases God will show you, yes, because you didn't forgive that person. And as soon as you release and let go of that, guess what? Health, Health issues go away. Is that every case? No. But in some cases, you might want to say, let me check my heart to see, is there any unforgiveness in my life? Joseph, he had bad memories, terrible memories, but he forgave his brothers. And again, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Boy, what a powerful statement. How could you walk what he walked through and say, what you meant for evil, God meant for good? Because the end, it was true. God did meant it for good, and he, you know, it, showed, it played out. We read about it. We could read about it. That's the same thing with your story. What the enemy meant for evil to destroy you, God says, I'm going to use that as a testimony, not only for you, but to help others overcome as well. Yeah. Because there's things that you're walking through right now that God is going to use in the future to help others walk through similar things that you walked through. And they will say, well, how did you do it? I gave it to the cross. I chose to forgive. Well, how did you choose to forgive? I kept, and sometimes forgiveness is a continual thing. You can't just say, oh, I, sometimes you forgive once, and that's it. No, no, no. Sometimes you got to keep going back and forgive. Because sometimes the deeper the hurt, sometimes you just, I got to bring this back to the cross because it's trying to rise on up again. But again, I got to make new memories and say, you know what? I'll, or make, And I'm going to make the decision to forgive. So y'all can see forgiveness is a big deal. It's a big deal. And it's one of the big foundations that I felt. This is the first one we need to talk about. Forgiveness. And the Father says again, I can't forgive you if you don't forgive others. That's why we have to walk in what? Forgiveness. Just walk in forgiveness. And honestly, it's a lot easier walking in forgiveness than holding on to that stuff anyway. Is it always easy? No. I'm not even about to lie to you. No. But it sure feels a lot better when you let it go. It sure feels a lot better when you let it go. And you say, you know what? That weight, it just feels, it literally feels like a weight lifts off you when you just release that unforgiveness and that bitterness and that resentment. But holding on to it, you're all tense and uptight and you can't sleep. Ooh, that's that's, that's not a good feeling. Let it go. I've been there. Let it go. Just release it, because your Father in heaven can't forgive you if you don't forgive others. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the word today. Thank you, Lord God, that that we're all searching our hearts, Lord God, for areas known and unknown of unforgiveness that we've been holding on to. But I pray today that we make a conscious decision to walk in forgiveness. Lord, we know there's so many opportunities for us to hold on to resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, but we will no longer allow the enemy to have access to those relationships and to those areas of our heart. We say to devil, to devil, today is the last day. I release this today and I bring it to the cross of Jesus. I lay it at the feet of the cross and I nail it to the cross and I leave it there and I will not come back to it and look at it again. Lord, I pray for those that have walk through deep, deep trauma and deep, deep issues, Lord God, that hurt to the core. I pray that you would give them the strength and the grace to release those things from their heart and their mind where they can make new memories in your word, where they can think about your word and what you speak over them and not what the enemy lies to them about. I thank you right now, Lord God, that uh, the joy of gladness is filling our hearts right now. The great thing about forgiveness is when you let go, you receive a joy. There's a fresh peace that comes on the inside of you. I pray that we all feel that joy. We all feel that peace that comes when we release unforgiveness in our hearts. Lord, let us not walk out of here holding on to any unforgiveness. Let us release it right now in this moment. If you know there's things that you've been holding on to your heart, just have a moment with the Lord right now. Just lift your hands to him and say, Lord, I release it right now. i let it go right now. Lord, I don't want to walk out of this church holding on. You watching online, just if you're home or wherever you're watching, just say, Lord, I release it right now. I don't want another moment holding on to this unforgiveness in my heart, but I release it because I need your forgiveness. Lord, if I want you to forgive me, I have to forgive others. And I thank you, Lord, that we're just releasing it right now in your presence we thank you for right now a fresh joy and a fresh peace and healing is coming to our hearts and our minds i thank you for restoring relationships lord god broken relationships are being restored as we choose to walk in forgiveness and i thank you for right now in jesus name amen amen come on y'all give the lord a hand clap of praise this morning Forgiveness, the first foundation. But before we close, I want to give another invitation, and that's for to receive the the forgiveness of the Father. Your Father in heaven can't forgive you if you don't forgive others. But first, you have to ask him to forgive you of your sins. So I want everyone just to bow their head and close their eyes, no one looking around. And if you're in here and you say, I desperately need the forgiveness of the Father. I'm not walking in right relationship with Him, but I know that today without a shadow of a doubt, I want to be in right standing. I want to be in right fellowship with the Lord, knowing that my sins are forgiven. If that's you with no one else looking around, not trying to embarrass you, this is just the moment between you and the Lord. I need the forgiveness of the Savior. I need the Savior to come and to forgive me and to wash me of all of my sin. If that's you, no one looking around, just lift your hands up to the Lord and I wanna pray with you. Amen, amen, hallelujah, amen. You can put your hands down and I'm gonna ask everyone just to place their hand on their heart and just repeat this after me, this simple prayer, I say, thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity, for the privilege and an honor it is to lay down, to surrender my life at the cross. Lord, I thank you right now that you've forgiven me of all of my sin, and I give it to you right now, and I receive your forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, for accepting me as your child, and I pray that as I follow you and pursue you, that you give me the grace and the strength to finish the race that you have set before me. I love you. I honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all, give the Lord another hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, congratulations. That is the greatest decision that you will ever make. I say it every Sunday because it's the, it's the true every single Sunday. Anytime someone prays a prayer of salvation to receive Jesus, that is the greatest decision that you will ever make in your life. Because that's the one that gets you into heaven for all of eternity. It's the one that your sins are forgiven. So we celebrate that. We celebrate you today. And if you made that decision, and if you're in a room in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. On the back, it says, uh, I made a decision. Fill that out. Drop it off in the offering bucket. We love to connect with you, pray with you throughout the week. And if you're online watching, uh, let us know in the comments section that you made a decision to follow Christ. We love to pray with you and connect with you as well. But we're going to dismiss from our online audience in a second. But before we do that, we want to give you guys online a chance to give. There's a couple ways you can do that. You can go on our app to uh, give. You can download the app. You can go to our website at newlifemobile.org, and you can give that way. But we're going to pray for the offering for you guys online, and then you guys will be dismissed. Lord, I thank you for those that are sowing today into the kingdom of God. I thank you, Lord God, for those that are partnering with us to reach the world around us. I pray, Lord God, I thank you for their generosity. I pray that you meet all of their needs, that you bless every household that's a generous giver unto the kingdom of God, that they're not sowing in vain, but they're sowing into good ground. And I thank you, Lord God, that they're doubly blessed, that they're doubly fruitful, Lord God, in every area of their life. We thank you for what you're doing today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But before you guys are online to dismiss, we'd like to invite you out this Wednesday, 630 for prayer. We'll be right here for one hour at 630. We'd love to see you there. Also, come in the building. Come worship with us next Sunday, 10 a.m. We'd love to see you here as well. So you guys have a great day. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you Wednesday at 630. Amen.